What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Unofficial, well, not the unofficial, the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast. You'll have, we're a little punchy. It's about a little after uh, 2, 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, Sooners uh, off a big victory, 59-20 to over the Iowa, uh, I, I'm going to blame George. Why, you are, you no, are. why, why have Because we, George and I were in the other room just screaming at each other, trying to figure out tiebreaker scenarios in the Big 12. As I was putting in video, though, I kept putting Iowa State. I don't know what it well, is they were about playing BYU on the TV. Very maybe similar score, fifty nine twenty, fifty twenty. Yeah, but I kept thinking Iowa State all night. I don't know. It's just it's I weird. don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're you know not handling the departure from the Big Twelve all that well. Although, well, uh, the fans <laughs> clearly are ready to leave after some more PIs of questionable call were uh, handed out tonight. So that is that is like as into referees that I've seen in Oklahoma uh, fan base in a long, long time. Like, I, there was a point where I was like, as they were ru- ru- going up uh, the uh, section or the tunnel or whatever, at halftime, I was like, man, they're getting, like, bombarded. They're, they're getting yelled at. Yeah. No, I. here's the thing. You you, all, you guys always ask me, like, could you hear that on TV? Uh, because now I'm relegated to the bench. I'm back here watching the games. Uh, you could tell through the television tonight how angry that crowd was tonight. Uh, and then when it boiled over into the fight in the end zone, and uh, and, and look, here's the thing. I don't think, I, I know, that wasn't a malicious hit. I mean, it was a good hit. It wasn't targeting. Uh, he didn't, you know, I don't think he intentionally was trying to. This It was the standing over that was just kind of ridiculous. And I know you guys said Drake Stoops had something to say about it in the postgame uh, that you thought was kind of funny. Uh, but... Look, what a way to go out. I mean, you, you remember Eddie being in West Virginia during the snow uh, when there was a fight at the 50-yard line before the start of the game, and still one of my most favorite Scoop HD videos of all time is Bob Stoops out there trying to corral everybody yeah. uh, at the 50-yard line. There's, I mean, It's just something about West Virginia that always brings out a, an edginess, a chippiness, yeah. and I always kind of thought that it was just Dana Holgerson letting them to really kind of show their character or not character, but show their personalities, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, it it was very chippy again tonight, though. Well, there was a one year when Sterling Shepard got into it with them when they were just coming out of their own visitors tunnel, like they were there waiting on him. I can't remember who was with them, but there have just been so many incidents over the years of pregame scuffles and things, and I always enjoyed that about this rivalry. And, and I think a large part it was because OU li- largely had their number. I mean, last year was the first year, right, that they beat them. Uh, yeah. So it was West Virginia hates Oklahoma. 11 and 1 is what they'll finish against, or excuse me, uh, 10 and 1 is what they'll finish okay. against West Virginia in the uh, Big 12 series, whatever you want to call it. Well, and, you know, you talked about it, George. I, I saw where Gabe mentioned it on uh, the Oklahoma breakdown about the potential for booing if the Sooners came out in a three and out. Uh, fortunately, 
they did not take the ball to start the game, so that didn't really present itself. Now, after West Virginia had scored seven on their first series, four plays, 75 yards, four minutes, uh, Oklahoma comes down and scores four plays, 75 yards in like three and a half minutes. Uh, and you thought, are we, are we going to see a shootout tonight? Like, yeah, is this what I we're t- in for? I told Eddie when West Virginia went down and scored, I was like, oh, shit, it's going to be one of those games. And uh, I think I even tweeted out, I was like, it would be very on brand for OU to get its offense finally together and the defense just sucked tonight. But the defense was great after that first drive. They were fantastic. Even without Gentry Williams. Uh, They shut them down. And then, uh, you know, I think OU scored uh, touchdowns on four of their first five possessions and scored on all five possessions. To and start in, the game. an incredible offensive performance tonight. 644 yards. Most uh, of the season. Dylan Gabriel had the eight touchdowns, school record. And he, as strange as it may be, felt like he left a lot out there he in the first half. Like, like, He didn't play great. Like He missed not, some guys on throws. Maybe the biggest one to me, though, for the third consecutive week, Gavin Sawcheck got going, 22 carries for 135 yeah. yards, average 6.1, and you're doing all of this without Tyler Guyton. Uh, you know, Jake had the big uh, sack, gave up the sack in the red mm-hmm. zone, got beat on the play. But outside of that, I thought Jake Sexton played pretty well tonight. He is really good in the run game. Super physical. He's so mean. His like, feet and he's such move a, like, well. a big teddy bear guy, but... Yeah. He is, and that was like one of the first things that I remember telling Josh when I went to a Deer Creek game way back, uh, I guess way back two years ago. Uh, he is a, a mean finisher of blocking. Yeah, no, he's... Him and, I mean, you look at him and Caden Green uh, over the next two years, three years, those guys are going to be They're going to be really good. They're going to be really good up front. But yeah, no, it just felt like they also just got back to what they're good at. They They ran the ball really well. They threw it down the field. Um, you know, they 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 were aggressive, uh, and they didn't let up. I think that was the biggest thing. It was like they went down and scored right off the bat, but then, uh, you know, when they went up fourteen seven, they just kept scoring, and uh, that was the part we've talked about—the killer instinct. They finally had that tonight, and I, you know, Lebby talked a little bit about after the game, and he said it. Look, it's ba- it's it's really simple. It's not complicated, is what he said. We didn't turn the ball over. Uh, didn't have pre-snap penalties. Didn't get off schedule. Yeah, it's, it's like amazing. when you do all those you guys, things, it's amazing what happens. Yeah, do you guys feel like they purposefully tried to get away from so much no huddle tonight. I mean, they they had tempo at times. It's a nice guzzle, Eddie. Uh, they had, it's not beer. I am it's so just water. Thir- I am so thirsty. <laughs> People don't want to admit it, Carrie, but I don't know if you guys know this. Their time of possession this year is way up from where it was a year ago. And I'm not saying it's like in the best in the country, but it's at t- around 29 minutes per game. Last year it was like 26 minutes. They have it, they have been going a lot well, they have slower the ball this year. A lot more this year on offense. That's true, but they also are going slower. That was something that we talked about. You know, they chewed clock in the second on half. the opponent yeah. preview. That was something that we talked about on the unofficial 40. How West Virginia just gets the ball, and it seems like you never get the ball back how important uh, you know each possession was going to be offensively. Final time of possession tonight. Do you guys know it? Yeah, I've already seen I it. Don't. Yeah. 30 minutes, 32 seconds for West Virginia. 29 minutes, 28 seconds for OU. Yeah. yeah well, and, and a lot of that, damn near nine minutes of that comes in the fourth quarter for Oklahoma. So, 
Well, and that was another surprising thing is Davis Bevel went in the game tonight, uh, and, and you were expecting Jackson Arnold. Uh, and after the game, both Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby said, you know, we're, we're going to redshirt him. That's our plan if yeah. we can. Which, you know, if, if things were to go as planned, it shouldn't matter yeah, if he has right, a redshirt yeah. year. But I guess it's a good thing. I thought something else that was really important tonight, OU f- ends up finishing 8 for 14 on third down. Two of those really don't count to me because they were the two final possessions. 8 for 12 at one point during the game. And uh, the flip side of that, West Virginia was 4 for 16 today. Well, and and another big surprise, not surprise, but something we talked about a lot during the week and a lot of people asked us about is Kip Lewis getting the start tonight. I mean, it, it was interesting that Brett Venables was, you know, I mean, you think of him kind of uh, nurturing the young Jaron Canick and, you know, not wanting to get in his head. No, none of that. Ha- he was like, Kip Lewis has been our best linebacker next to Danny Stutzman. So we're starting him tonight. He was awesome too tonight. He was really good. He did he end up leading the team in tackles or was it Stutzman? Stutzman they were going did. back and yeah. forth. What was the final stat? Uh, Stutzman had eight. Kip Lewis had seven. Yeah, um, which I think four people had. Billy Bowman, Robert Spears, Jennings, uh, really good tonight, and Kip Lewis all had seven tackles. Robert Spears, Jennings started. Yeah, he, and he played well. Yeah, he played well. Eight tackles for loss tonight as well. Uh, which you know they didn't have getting, one last week, right? Yeah, they didn't have one. They had two sacks tonight. It was a uh, no, they did not. Well, you guys know. I take that I mean, back. Zero sacks. I had talked about I it some at? during the week. Um, oh, pass breakups. And we talked about just how much easier it can be on the defense when you score when you're up by seven, when you extend the lead. Uh, and tonight you saw that. I mean, well, they took they took West Virginia. West Virginia wants to run the football. Yeah. And as soon as they got down two scores, they couldn't run the football because they had to catch up. And Garrett Green, who I think is a nice player for West Virginia, but he can't throw the ball down the field. No and, no, and it just killed them. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, you got them out of their comfort zone, which they had to try and catch up. Uh, and Oklahoma was great against the run game. Uh, I think you know playing that Kansas team. You know, I know you know you heard. I think we asked uh, Trace Ford about that last week. How similar is this to Kansas? Because they are a, a run. He said a lot of the stuff they do is very similar. So I think you know everybody trusted their eyes. They didn't well, look they're, the they're, wrong things. You notice the defense. They they correct their mistakes pretty like there was a um, play that Brent referenced in the post game. He yelled at he yelled at Danny on the sideline. Yes, but there was but there was a play that he referenced. He goes, you know, last week they got beat on a wheel route against Oklahoma State for I think a huge gain. Yeah, it was West the, Virginia ran the same play tonight and they broke it up yeah. and it was no problem. And that's the stuff that you're like that's the growth that you're seeing within this this team and the program. But like. You see, it seems like every week you see that where a defense wasn't good at something one week, and the next week they've, they've cleaned it up. The defense was, the offense is the story of the night because they finally figured their shit out, but the defense was once again phenomenal. Yeah, they played really, really well. And I think that it was something that we talked about on Instant Reaction, not to get like too much into the future and next season or the seasons after, but you have a lot of really young guys making a lot of plays out there. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in the recording. Yes, we are. Okay, just making sure. I didn't remember if you said anything. It's late. I, I think I've blacked out. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i delusional. I can tell. Everybody's a little punchy. Especially after we did the... Uh, you and me started doing the uh, Big 12 tiebreaker scenarios. Hey, but you're here now. Like We've gotten to the point where you can start talking about, okay, right. this needs to happen or this needs to happen because you got some help from Kansas today, uh, or I guess from Texas, Texas Tech, Tech yeah. getting beat 
or beating Kansas. Kansas. And then, uh, you know, the Texas game's interesting with the way that they played in the fourth quarter, the Jonathan Brooks news. Uh, that's all of a sudden become a really, really even more interesting game in Ames next weekend. And that's the most, I mean, we probably need to keep talking about the West Virginia game, but just yeah, we'll get into yeah, yeah. Let's, let yeah. bra- let's okay. break everybody's brains after. I was just going to say the easiest way to get there is Texas losing. Again. Sure. Right, right. That, that almost assures you. If they lose to Iowa State, Oklahoma's going to play. If they win out, it's going to play. And let's face it, guys. I mean, you have two weeks. Everybody's down. Uh, you know, nobody's on the website. Every, you know, the, the traffic, you know, took a, you know, that's all I care about usually. The traffic took a real downturn. You could tell that the fans just weren't into it. I mean, they were they were pissed off. A lot of people didn't even want to read anything about Oklahoma or watch anything about Oklahoma. Uh, and, you know, now you go out there and play this game. You've got BYU, an 11 o'clock game, a 10 a.m. game coming up next week. Uh, it's just, it, it's, can we do one? Yeah, go ahead. F*** you, Big 12. <laughs> like, it's just, it's it's such a kick in the balls to go out there and play at 10 a.m. next week. It's almost borderline unacceptable with as much as Oklahoma's given them to get the middle finger like they have. Like, the, the pass interference call in the end zone was just complete bullshit. Yeah. On Kanai Walker? Yes. Yes, that was a really bad call. And I, I thought the one on Woody was pretty bad, too. I mean, I yes. think Josh took exception with us saying that it wasn't. And George had a very... I remember you had a very strong... I just I just said simply said call. it was a bullshit call. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. I've just let it rip on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I... What did we expect, though, Eddie? You know, I. Eddie is like. You've just drank well, so you, much water. You are now traveling so with thirsty. him, so you know what that throat of his does when he oh, just guzzles water. And you don't see it. He doesn't it's drink like you that much water. water. You don't drink it. I know. I, well, I'm just. It's because thirsty. you don't drink enough of it. And then I don't. You, and then you just, all of a sudden, you're like. Well, you, they don't have any water on the sidelines. You need, okay? to, you need to start carrying around a half gallon of. Uh, thing oh God, like me don't, i don't have any don't room in the uh in the carry cart to take a water Why bottle is it the carry cart i could well no like carrying <laughs> oh, cart. okay like i, make uh, you I couldn't think of what cart. to call it i the cart thing came after i said the carry thing he's on his second cart right now this thing's a beast though. okay good it's good. a beast of a cart mm. i knew that it, like this always happens with eddie like if something breaks and he can still use it we, we went over it with his laptop like I had to one day use his cart, like and I hadn't been using it, and I could barely pull it. It was like it was a the wheels were so bad it was like pulling against you. I was like, dude, you this need thing's a, new a beast. Cart. So we got him a really good. You one. can go all over the place with it. Uh, no, but uh, back to the game and, and just kind of the things that stood out. I mean, obviously, I mean, I thought maybe too much was made out of it in the post game because I still think you see a lot of lumbering from him out there. But Austin Stogner had a good night. Does it open up the offense a little bit though? Does it spread things out? No. I mean, I'm not I'm not buying in that Austin Sogner all of a sudden is going to be this like I I don't weapon I don't, for this team. Yeah, I don't think that he I mean, like, the, the, the a big chunk of it came on a broken play. Sure. Uh sure. where Dylan makes a great play escaping a sack and 35 yards. Uh, they just cut Austin loose. Uh, but if he can give you 4 for 70, he had 4 for 69. I thought the best play was four when for they 70. I thought he was going to be a red zone target. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought the best play to him tonight was the fourth and five to him. They converted a fourth and five, and he made a contested catch. That's where they could use him. Short yardage, like sure. you said, red zone. Sure. The touchdown tonight. I thought that we'd see more of that kind of stuff. Uh, so maybe they can use him, but like I don't think all of a sudden he's going to become some great, you know, weapon for this team. No, he is what he is. I mean, 
It was good, though, because you didn't have Blake Smith tonight, and he did get... He had one of those plays on the sideline where somebody chopped out his legs, and you thought maybe he might be hurt. I'll tell you, too, number 80, Josh, I don't know how to say his last name, Fanal, mm-hmm. Fanul, he had some really nice blocks in the run game tonight. He got called for he the one holding hold, call, yeah. um, but he, he, he blocked his ass off tonight. I wonder if they use him a little bit more going forward. I think a lot of people, you know, it's just it's natural. You're going to watch this game tonight. You're going to see that Dylan Gabriel had three rushing touchdowns. You're going to see what John Rice Plumley did to Oklahoma State today. Uh, and yo, know, Dylan was asked about it in the post game uh, about running it, and he and he said, uh, "Just trying to get my little ass in the you know in the end zone or whatever." Uh, but God, every guy that came in and talked was like, "You just used, tell they needed this shit." Yeah, but cathartic. they could have used that last week, and I hate yeah. That. I hate to just hard. Now, I will stuff. say, like, you know, the three touchdowns, two of them at least were just two yarders. Right. Yes. But at the yeah. same on time. On third and goal. They were but both at the same time, goal. he did have a couple runs today that it just seemed like it came within the flow of the offense. I don't know. I think there was one in he the He had third one quarter. where he really read it right. Like, he pulled it and he, he went off. Well, there's was, the one where it was middle of the field and maybe this. No, that, that wasn't the finale hold, but... Uh, it was just a design quarterback draw, and he just kind of like stood there, like you could tell he was getting ready to run, uh, and you know, like that was his one of his best runs of the night. And you know, at the same time, like he was getting down when he needed, he, he still goes head first way too much. I mean, Jackson Arnold, get you know, just just watch out. There, there was ready. one of them that it was right after the fight in the north end zone after the Drake Stoops touchdown, and he got up talking shit, and you could just tell like. There was nothing that was going to make him or, you know, stop him from putting a shoulder down into somebody on that play. Funny story. So after the game, I, I went to um, Neil Brown's press conference. Mm-hmm. And coach for West Virginia. Yes. And uh, I don't know if this gentleman was, he works for West Virginia or is just like a fanboy media guy. But he was talking about Dylan Gabriel and he's like, that was the most dumbass shit I've ever seen. Uh, them running Dylan Gabriel at the end of the game because they wanted him to break the record for touchdowns by by a quarterback or something. And I was just like, I don't think that's why. They're like, <laughs> like I was like, I don't think that's what was going on. They're like, why didn't they play that Jackson Arnold kid? And I was like, because I Are think they're sure registering him. Deputy Commissioner of the Big Twelve, that former K State guy. I don't know, but he was just ripping. He was like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They're gonna get that kid hurt running him that much. And I was just like, I. Think I don't you know, maybe man. You're in the movie Hoosiers, there for just a little bit. Yes. Uh, by the way, Drake Stoops. I mean, we haven't even mentioned. I mean, He's just the last game, unbelievable. Gamer. I mean, I think you said it best. You tweeted it best after the uh, video came out from Monday night in the post practice session when he gave kind of that impassioned, um, you know, take on what Oklahoma football means to him. But he is like the total package of if you want to put a player out there and say, like, this is what represents Brent Venable's program. It's Drake Stoops. He's going to win the Don Key Award, right? I would think so. I That's uh, a, a couple weeks away. I, mean, but it's, it's, I was it's, thinking it's about like it a, tonight. It's become like a, a, so, yeah, yeah, like a group a, award. A trio like, or a quadrant of a long of guys. time. Since, uh, I think he should, I would love to see him just win it by himself, though. I, but, you know, you got guys like Woody Washington that are probably deserving. Sure, sure. What's his uh, What's his um, yardage up to this year? He's gonna lead, He's gonna lead the team in receiving yards. I'm pretty sure. I mean, he had a career night tonight. Is that right too? That uh, the 164 
that's the most receiving yards by a single player in like 40 years. That's what Brent said after the game. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. I mean, CeeDee Lamb Clayton, had some Lamb. games. That's what I thought. Hold on. Let me look. Here, I'm looking right now. Uh, no, the game notes don't have anything about that being the uh, the most yards. But So I don't really know what Brent was talking about. But it, he was he was unbelievable. And what he's done over the last two weeks, it gets overshadowed last week uh, because of the loss. But what's he have? He has 22 grabs for like three something over the last two weeks 164 tonight he had cd lamb had like six games over 164 okay so i don't know what he was talking about then yeah oh well anyway um he was drake has been great i mean yeah. he's been absolutely phenomenal well and i think you know what he said monday is something that kind of became uh i think it will become kind of legendary for this team but for the entire locker room like that everyone knew that that was said like we were talking to, to trace ford and he was like we all heard that and it all fired us up and we all feel the same way but he's the one that said it out loud uh and you know it is kind of like how it goes sometimes it, you know it was a question that was asked him like what's left to play for sometimes you just kind of want to ask those kind of incendiary questions just to get a response out of somebody i don't know if that was really the intent behind that i don't i don't think it was uh i don't but you know i'm glad that the question ended up being asked because it was just an, a fantastic response yeah it, i mean it that should be like on like flyers like busting with the pro boys football like yeah retweeting that be on a t-shirt it's it's a total ou like great quote it's just a great moment it, we, it was, we might need to make t-shirts it was spawned that, out that of a terrible that, idea that wrestling but, poster was hanging up in your room me no i can't remember who that was I don't know. Oh, it was no, it was, it was a musician I follow locally. He had this anyway. I'll show it to you after the show. Um, but now, and here's the other thing about tonight's game, which it's not just tonight; it's happened throughout the season. But Eddie, this is a better question for you than George because you've been around a little bit longer. Uh, whoever thought that OU would have a defense capable of multiple goal line stops like this defense? It's crazy. They've now done it three weeks uh, this year where they've gone and somebody's gotten first and goal from the, I think it started at the three-yard line this week, and they just bite down. Like You can tell, too, like talking to Danny after the game, George, I think you asked him about it. Like That is a very prideful thing, and I mean, it's a complete Brent Venables like talking point, I'm sure, but... I bet they get more enjoyment out of that than they do winning by 39. Yeah, and like that's where the interior defensive line, which we've brought up the last yeah, couple of weeks, sure. they were really good. DJ Terry, I think, was in on a couple of those. Yeah, Isaiah it seemed like Coe. Terry had a really good night. Yeah, they, they were really solid. It was interesting. Neil Brown was saying after the game, uh, he was complaining that, and I thought it was a good point, they didn't have a, a camera view of the goal line. Yeah, tonight. I noticed they didn't have a they did they didn't have a pylon because he was saying he ESPN like trade he thought they only have the pylon know. he thought they got in on first and second down. See, I didn't ever but, think it was that close. But the officials told him they said that they didn't have a uh, goal line camera or a pylon cam, and he's like, "How?" He, Neil Brown was like, "How is that possible for a nationally televised game?" <laughs> And uh, I was kind of like, I think he's right. That's yeah. a good point. But but yeah, no, they were really good down there. It's almost like they th they thrive on it. 
And it it's, it embodies how good the defense is. Just was that Samuel Omosigo that was coming in too in place? Yes, of, he uh, played Cheetah tonight. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah but because uh, Desan McCullough was out. It's crazy how good OU's defense has been in just all short yarded situations. Think even last week against Bedlam, the yeah. like what was it like they had three a fourth, fourth and, one. and ones yeah. that they stopped yeah. like. I mean, it's ridiculous and how it's, good they and are. And it's not just... I mean, obviously, it's guys like DJ Terry and those interior guys blocking things up, but it's a safety coming down, or it's Kendall Dolby yeah. coming down, or it's Woody Washington coming in to make a play. And a large part of it's the linebackers. Sure. Their linebackers... I mean, I was trying to Kobe think McKenzie during the game... Well, all four of those guys. When's the when's the last time... You, you mentioned when's the last time OU had a defense that could get a goal on stand. When was the last time OU had four middle linebackers that you're like... All four of those guys are pretty solid. I mean, if they can and get that entire I'm gonna, group I'm gonna to come back. I'm going to answer that question right now. It has never happened. Never. In the 20 years I've covered Oklahoma. And the Bob Soup, they've Let me ask you this then. When's, when's the last time they had a duo as good as Danny Stutzman and Kip Lewis? At least potential to be as good as they are or will be. <sighs> I mean. Would it have been somebody with Travis? I was thinking like if Austin Box would have. Yeah. You know, lived up to his potential and stayed yeah. healthy. Yeah, he and Travis Lewis were going to be like potentially kind of like Rocky Kalma's Torrance Marshall territory. I mean, Teddy Lehman, you know, he had Rocky for a year. I want to say um, it's pretty cool that Rocky's down there a lot. Yeah, nowadays. But that's that. But think about the group we're talking about. Like, if they're in that Lance that talk, that Teddy's. Was that his running mate a little bit? I think, or maybe, he might have come in after Teddy was gone. But that's how good they are. Yeah. That's how. I mean, that, that's real. I mean, I mean think about, about the names you're talking about. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like it's unbelievable how good they are at that spot. And it feels like for at least three of the four, they're still incredibly young. I mean, they haven't even played double digit games as uh, as true starters. I thought Kobe McKenzie came in and played well. We talked I about the Canick, instant reaction. How about Canick? Canick played great really well. Canick, you know, that's another guy. Was clearly getting bitched, so yeah. to say. I mean, had a big effect on him because he came in and played with his hair on fire. Yeah, I thought he played really well. And, and I mean, again, might it, be the best thing that's ever happened to Jaron. Yeah, be. getting benched. Yeah. And think if Danny comes back next year, how good they're. I mean, they're going to be really good at linebacker. If Danny, I know comes it's still back. way, way too early to like say one way or the other, but. It kind of seems like it's not way too as early. Close, only two weeks as left. close as he is with everybody, I think that the idea of le- being left off the uh, bucket semifinalist list, stuff like that. I, Did anybody ask him about that tonight? No, that's a miss on my part. I should have asked that, even though he wouldn't have said anything. No, but he he would have said something about the team and yeah. But I I get the feeling that if he was leaning one <laughs> way or the other, he's probably leaning towards coming back. Yeah, I uh, and I don't even know if it's really that big of a decision to make. No, I to do, be honest, he was funny tonight post game when I asked him about um, how close he was to playing last week. Yeah. He's like, not even. He's like, yeah. I was never playing in the yeah. game last week. Is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, just real quick, uh, Bob Prisbillo in his notebook. Uh, by the way, always check out our coverage on Sooner Scoop before we do the podcast. Uh, we are getting up content for you guys uh, for our subscribers. Uh, so we want you guys to have the information as quickly as we can get it out there. Uh, Bob Prisbillo in his notebook tonight did cover some of the injuries. Uh, starting right tackle Tyler Guyton was out with a concussion. Uh, I talked to some people kind of closer to game time, uh, and they said that, yeah, they knew he wasn't going to be able to play like on th- Thursday, but they felt like that would be something like if Jacob Sexton, they, if West Virginia found out Jacob Sexton was a start, 
with their kind of experience and in uh, talent on the edges that could re- they could really attack that. So, so it was really kept under wraps. But the Samacola, that Brent sounded like it was more like precautionary, like hey, we just we want to give him some more time to recover. Uh, so you know, Kendall Dolby played well tonight, and as you mentioned, Samuel Masigo came in and played a little bit. Uh, and so Jacob Sexonfield and Gentry Williams did not play tonight. He was uh, suited up though, he and was went through up. warmups. Okay. Uh, but you know, Kenai Walker did a nice job. I mean, it, and it helps, like you said, that Garrett Green's not that great of a thrower. Uh, he did have one, which we'll say, just a bullshit pass interference call on him. Uh, so outside of that, I can't remember, guys. There wasn't any really big, um, you know, anything that looks serious with anybody going down. It just no, like and not, I would, and I would also add to that. I think they they anticipate Guyton and McCullough being available next week. I would also maybe even throw Gentry in there. It just Gentry's hard because it's like he's just. Well, it can go bad like as yes. on one hit, like, and he he was wearing. I, I'm pretty sure it's his shoulder that he's dealing with now. Well, um, Brent said last week, like you know, when it pops out, it just takes it just takes him a while to get back. He was wearing a thing on his right shoulder tonight, so he sounds like the perfect cleanup surgery candidate after the season's over. Yeah, I would think so. And he just plays so fierce. I mean, the way he, we've talked about how much he tackles and how fierce he is, like it's obviously just taking a toll on his body yeah um okay so got that out of the way uh sooners go to byu next Uh, byu is not looking very good uh but is there anything else that you really wanted to hit on the team before we blend put everybody's brains in a blender talking big 12 i still can't figure out Jaden gibson (laughs) yeah like it, it might be more of the offense like i thought nick anderson had a nice bounce back after the drop pass last week uh, offensively, though, in what Jeff Levy, I know that we hit on it, but I thought he had a really good game. Like, we got to give him credit. I know that we uh, really went in on him last week, but it was the it, it's about the exact opposite tonight. It was really good. That's the type of offense that I think a lot uh, of people expected. How about this? Is it the best play-calling performance of his career at Oklahoma? I thought Iowa State. Iowa State was pretty good. Yeah. They scored fifty nine in that one as well, though. Fifty. It's it's 50. the it's yeah. the best complimentary football we've seen between the offense and defense, and he, since that's he's fair. arrived. That's uh, but fair. I I I would put it in the category of best game he's called. As was this the best four quarters OU's played this year? I I mean, because they played given the opponent. Yeah. Well, they played better scoring on four the first tonight than they did at the Cotton Bowl. The special teams and all that oh, shit yeah, yeah, down yeah, at the yeah. Cotton Bowl. Yeah, no. The spe- I mean, you, you go back, you watch the Cotton Bowl. They special teams weren't great tonight, and the offense was inconsistent in that game. I'm not really sure what's going on with Gavin back there at punt return. Like, you, I got to you got to clean that shit up, though. I and think look, he's I, thinking too much. I know people are saying, "Well, you know, can I got blocked into him? He definitely muffed that before he dropped it. Yes, yeah, yeah, like out there before. Yeah. yeah, and then he muffed another one that he thankfully recovered. That one, it seemed like it was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then he dropped it. I'm at the point, and I love Gavin. I think he's great, but... You're just afraid of Jason. I would maybe just put Drake back there and just say, fair catch it. Because you know he's going to catch it. Well, I mean, they could put Farouk back there, but I think they just kind of want to take... By the way, Farouk... L.B. Bunkley Shelton's been yeah. the guy when they've gone to quote-unquote number two. And you got, I don't know if anybody realizes. I'm pretty sure Andrew L. Anthony was the backup punt returner before he got hurt. So I don't know if, who the backup is now. Uh, Bunkley Shelton. 
Yeah, he went he out there. Yeah, he was out there. Was the, that, that was in last week and he yeah, muffed it. Last week. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, I would think, though, that like if Gavin went down, I think they'd put Freeman, or not Freeman, they put Stoops back there. By the way, I'll say this about tonight. Um, I really like that, that it seemed like the first game where Nick Anderson is kind of working on being a better receiver instead of just a deep threat. And yeah, I think you, you say, you say, what's up with Jaden Gibson? I think that's what's up with Jaden Gibson. He's a guy that knows how to run down the field and jump up and high point a ball and bring yeah. it in. He doesn't really know how to read coverages and, and get into zones. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that Andrew Anthony was good at, uh, knowing spacing and how to cut off his route. Yeah. And, uh, I, f- I felt like we saw a little bit more maturity from Nick Anderson in his route running tonight. Nick Anderson makes some really comfortable catches in uncomfortable spots on the field mm-hmm. right over the middle. And for a guy that young to do that and then be able to turn up and get upfield and get a lot of yards after the catch, uh, it's kind of exciting. It kind of makes you wonder what he could turn into. Do you think Fruk will come back? That's a, I mean, that's a... I really don't know. I, I mean, I think Tyler Guyton is gone. I think uh, Farouk is on the you fence. You think he's gone? Mm-hmm. I think so, too. You can't... I mean, look, the projections... He's, he's like 16 in Mel Kuyper's Yeah, draft. and he's going to just keep going up. Right sure. And I think he's going to test really well. And, and I know everybody's so maybe like, well, he, like, he could sneak it into the top 10, you think? I think so, because yes. he... like Everybody's like, well, he could come back and be a top 10, 10, top 10 pick. If he goes and he tests well, yeah. he'll he'll jump into the top Which 10. Which he's going to. You yeah. know what else helps him is Anton Harrison's playing really well in the yeah. league. Playing a lot for the Jags. And he's starting for of, the Jags, I think. Kind of That's what's crazy. Bill Biedenboe might have two... Back to back first round picks on the offensive line, but for some reason, like nobody really gave him all the yeah the well, pomp and We'll talk to Josh about it, but Grant Bricks was in the stadium tonight. Right. I'm sure that that was a really good atmosphere. Nebraska to, uh, lost today. Kind of put a, which come on, Nebraska. <laughs> like Jesus. you can't get beat in Lincoln uh, uh, to to Maryland. You can't lose to uh, Maryland. I was gonna say you mentioned the uh, well. good atmosphere, great crowd tonight. Given yeah. given the last Very two weeks. Good crowd. Shout out to the fan base for showing up tonight. I think the attendance was 83,000 something. Uh, a lot of them stuck around for most of the game. Yeah. I it mean, was a great crowd. Yeah. I thought it was in it. I thought it got they loud were into at times. it. Yeah. The SEC chants were awesome, as yeah. we said. It was, a, it was a fun night at the Palace. Thought the refs might die at one point. It was very impressive. I mean, they walked up that tunnel, and I like there were people like hanging over the tunnel. Like, I was like, please don't throw <laughs> my anything. Dad please made don't good, throw anything. My, my dad made a good point. He said he thinks, because I was like, I was like, look, I, I don't buy in that the Big 12's just screwing OU. I said, I just think officials just aren't as good as they used to be. And he said, he goes, he says he thinks they're not athletic enough. He says they can't get in position to see what they need to see. By and the I was way, like, they, that, that's the. <laughs> It well, might, I mean, that's it, what it happened. might be true. That's what that's happened. The, the most dad thing. comment of all time. I know that's something I could see my dad saying. By the way, I don't know if you guys where where you were yet, but I was watching the OSU UCF game, and that exact penalty to Drake Stoops happened, I and heard, the officials called it, I and it wasn't nearly as egregious. And uh, the and I think someone made a joke about uh, during tonight's broadcast about yeah, apparently did it on the broadcast. Yeah, he yeah. did it on the broadcast tonight about. Uh, you might get a different call about 80 miles north of here. Right. Like yeah. on a pass interference call during the game. So, look, I I just want everybody to calm that. Like, it's I realize how bad it's gotten. And the refs have done nothing to, to help themselves. 
it's like Eddie and I have been through this, like with OSSAA referees and stuff, and Bob Bob's definitely been through it. But like the business of finding referees is very difficult at the high school level. I'm sure it's gonna, you know, they pay them, but not like NFL referees. Yeah. Like I know there have been a lot of people in the pros that have said they need to make sure that these are full-time jobs that people have. Why would you want to be an official? I've never understood yeah, the, I mean, wa- the want Eddie to and be. I have both, Eddie's done it more than I have, but we both umpired uh, but that's, Little that's, League. But that's different than... But it's than awful. Like, yeah. like, it's, it's the worst. Of, like, it is, it is... I quit doing it because if you know how to play a sport and you referee it and you have to listen to people from the peanut gallery tell you how the sport's supposed to be played when you know how it's supposed to be played and they don't know what the f*** they're talking about, like, that's the most annoying thing that that I've ever experienced. And I couldn't, I did it for a couple of summers. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I mean, I loved umpiring. I do think though, uh, Eddie and I, it was so much fun. Eddie and I should go down. Let's say, OU doesn't make the big 12 title game. Maybe instead of going down to Dallas to cover that, that week, we should go, go down and just Irving. bang on, uh, Brett Yormark's office and make a TMZ. real big scene. On the I do think out. a TMZ type live video of just, you know, like bombard him. I think we out. should just do What if he was like really nice and was like, you guys want to go to Harry Hines? Let's go over. Oh, I think we'd go with him. Yeah. What if he was, what if you get there and you find out that Brett Yormark is never in his office and he doesn't live here and the only time he shows up is to go to games and to bank against and OU in Texas? Yeah, he just lives in New York. I will say he was in, he was in Lawrence and Stillwater the last two weeks when OU lost. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I bet he won't be in Austin for that Texas Tech finale. Well, he said he was. I, I don't want him to lie. He told the tech people that he was going to be there. I don't think he would. I mean, like the refs, you'd be worried about his safety getting in and out of there. Yeah, you might. Or he might have to. All right, so Oklahoma wins at 59-20. to 20. All right, let's get... What are these, uh, oh, these scenarios? Break my brain real quick. The best, the easiest thing, as George said... The easiest thing for Oklahoma to get into the Big 12 championship, you win out, right. and Texas loses on Saturday to in Iowa ends. State. It needs to be to Iowa State, though. Does it? I thought they Well, just, I mean, it does until Kansas State plays them. They already played Kansas State. Or, or the, Kansas. They play... Iowa State finishes... No, they already Kansas State Kansas. finishes They just with need Iowa Texas State to lose a game. It does not right. matter to who. Kansas, does, here's the thing. It's Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma State. Is if as long as Texas is number one with one loss, then it, then it becomes a tie. Right now, the tiebreaker candidates are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State. State, and Iowa State. Those are the only. No, no, no. Iowa State's out of it. Well, Iowa if St- if Texas, yeah, if Texas wins out, even if they don't, then win Iowa out, State is out of. Iowa Iowa State's out of it. No matter what, they have three losses in conference play. Right now they do? Yeah, pretty sure. That's right. Anyway. Um, the, here's here's the scenario that everybody wants to know about. If Texas wins out, OU wins out, OSU wins out, and K-State wins out, you have a three-way tie between OU, Kansas State, and OSU. It does not favor OU. And it does not favor OSU. Despite OSU beating both Kansas State and and OU, the issue is the tiebreaker goes to if there's if all three have not played each other, there's not a he- common head to head. It keeps going further. It down. goes goes to who have they commonly played, and K State will have beaten 
all the teams that had UCF. Beaten, they had beaten UCF, Iowa State, and Kansas. Right. And they would I, have gone three and zero. OU would have gone two and one against those three teams. Iowa State does have two losses. Oh, they do? Well then I don't know. See, this is why I was yelling at you in the room. This is this is the standings. Texas is six and one. OSU, OU, Kansas State, Iowa State are all five and two. Right. West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas are all four and three and everybody else. Well, and, that, and here's what happens. So, everyone that has the same record goes into the same pool. And it turns into, okay, who has the best record? Well, did all of these teams play each other? Then it goes to what George is talking about. And that's why OSU would get screwed. OSU, OSU would be getting royally screwed if it somehow is a three-way tie between OU, OSU, and Kansas State. Because they have beaten both Kansas State and OU, and you'd think they would get in. But... Since they all three didn't play each other, right? That get that you goes go the down next to the next. You go down to the Iowa State and the UCF. Correct. And, so, and uh, I can't remember who else it was. Texas's final schedule: they have Iowa State and Tech. Yes. OSU has Houston and BYU. OU has BYU, TCU. Kansas State has at Iowa State, or I mean uh, at Kansas, Iowa State, and then Iowa State has Texas and K State. And K State, yeah. It's very tough for Iowa State to make it. I mean, I think you have to favor Kansas State being in it. But the problem is, if you get Texas in the team of tied teams, it favors Oklahoma. And they'll get there. But if if Texas is above everybody else and they're fighting with OU, Kansas State, Iowa State... I think you're rooting for Iowa State to win out. Because if Iowa State wins out... OU would have the tiebreaker over Iowa State, and that would eliminate. And they would have that it would over eliminate, Oklahoma State, and they'd also have it over Texas, and then uh, Kansas State would be out of it. Because the team that you don't want to have a tiebreaker with right now, if you're Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure is Kansas State, right? Well, or Oklahoma State because they won head to head, right? But if you but and it, if it's just two teams left standing, it's just head to head. head. So OU and OSU, if they're, they're I don't, know. I'm going to email. I'm going to gonna email the Big you want Twelve OSU and get an to answer. Lose tomorrow. I mean, uh, next week. That's but probably I don't, the only week. But Houston, I think, is yeah. probably checked it in. If OSU loses to Houston or BYU, then I, they play like they the, are who we thought if they, they play were. like the way that they did today in Houston next week. It will be a close game. Now they yeah. should. They should. They could play like shit and still win. By the way. Um, We've got a lot of traveling coming up. Uh, Eskridge Lexus, the official travel sponsor of the uh, post-game show. I uh, want to remind you guys, go check them out at EskridgeLexus.com. Uh, Ed and the boys, Ed and Will, they'll take care of you. They've done it for many of our uh, listeners and subscribers. Uh, and uh, they've got now, right now the new TX series that's in. Uh, it's a great car for you guys. I know the, the third row uh, SUVs is the biggest SUV that Lexus has ever had. Uh, they're arriving now. Uh, it's a perfect family SUV for taking all your stuff to the next uh, tailgate, uh, road trip, whatever. Mention to them that you are a Sooner Scoop subscriber, and Eskridge Lexus will offer you a special discount on any new or pre-owned vehicles. And let me tell you why this is so big. They don't mess around with their pricing. They're not. They're not gouging people. They're not charging o- over MSRP. There's no uh, bogus charges like dock fees. They don't force you to add accessories that you don't want. They're going to give you money off 
their best deals that their best customers get just for being a, Su- a Sooner Scoop subscriber or a listener. Uh, call or visit EskridgeLexus.com and uh, they'll take care of you just like they always take care of us. Eddie and I both uh, proud drivers of Eskridge Lexus vehicles. Uh, really don't think I'll ever have it any other way. Yeah, they're great. Absolutely phenomenal service as well. Yeah, uh, take care of you. I, I, of course, Eddie's a celebrity, so he gets better service than everybody else. That's probably right. We uh, deserved as we've well. We've had a lot of banging on the doors tonight. A lot of people trying to come in. So after people are excited, yeah, it, the vibes were strong tonight. They the were vibes were strong after giving up four hundred. By the way, were you okay yards? in the in the scuffle? People were worried about you. Yeah, unfortunately, I was on the other side of it. I was on like the unfortunately, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, unfortunately. Fortunately, unfortunate. <laughs> That's uh, I. I wish hey, I would have been if closer. The, if I found out someone broke the current camera, there would have been a hell to pay for somebody. I mean, I West Virginia would not have gotten on that flight back home. I might have rigged their plane or something. Um, break that camera. Easy. Uh, anyway, I, I have no. I have no idea what that even is. I, I don't know sounds like terrorism. Break. It sounds like you just threatened <laughs> terrorism. After giving up 443 yards tonight, I did uh, see this from uh, Kalani Sataki, the uh, BYU head coach, said uh, on the issues with the defense, quote, I'll have better answers on Monday, but my first thought right now, guys not believing in the system and not believing in what we're doing. That doesn't seem good. Ooh. That's going to be an interesting atmosphere on Saturday in terms of 10 a.m. kick, not a very good football team. Like, I just, I mean, I think BYU fans will show up, but yeah. like, it, it won't be the same as like before the season. I was like, man, they're going to play at eight o'clock at night. That yeah. place is going to be buzzing. It's not the same atmosphere, I don't think. Look, I, there is not like some big momentum change with this win tonight, but I'm going to tell you, I mean, OU fans have never been able to understand what OSU fans are going through better than they do right now because Mike Gundy got up in there and said, you know, we're moving on, we're moving forward, we're not thinking about the last game. It's impossible in this day and age, I think, with social media and with people on you know, campus, and it's always been bad there, but I don't think there's an answer if you have just like a season-defining program win that, like... With Texas and OU, it completely changed everyone's expectations to, oh my God, we're back. We're going to make it to the CFP. Like, look at Lincoln Riley and USC, and they're imploding, and, and everyone celebrated so hard. And look, I'm not one of these people that blames the Stutzman t shirt. He made a lot of money he should have. I mean, I, I love it when they get those little flash sales and people get to make a whole bunch of money. I think that's, that's what, you know, fandom is for. That's how it pays off if you work so hard to play. Uh, but just that's just one of the little things that added to the celebration, uh, you know, all of the, you know, the slaps on the back, everyone going on social media. Now they can go to work and fight with their coworkers who went to OSU. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I feel bad, but just imagine being an OSU fan right now. Like you just had the best win. One of the best things that ever happened to you being an OSU fan is beating OU on your field for the last bedlam, uh, and then you realize, oh God, wait, that's going to affect the next game. Like, I mean, this is what coaches and, are so worried about. They just went and got their ass kicked today. It was awful. It was it was, it an was ass embarrassing. Beat. Twenty-one to nothing, literally before 
it even got underway. Maybe Robert Allen will drop some f bombs in his post game pod. <laughs> that'd be great. I think that'd be great. I'd tune in to listen to that. I would too. He was I, very I, upset on I the broadcast. I was told that on the broadcast he kept saying, uh, "Well, Central Florida let Baylor back in the game." Or yeah, Baylor yeah, back Baylor. in the game. He kept saying that because I was listening was on my funny. drive in, and I was like, "Oh, Robert, man, rough, it wasn't rough a, day it in wasn't Orlando. a pouring monsoon when yeah, they played." God, and so did they forget the equipment stuff? Like the towels. Well, I was saw the, the I saw Rex the chief tweeted out. Chief was out. going after, was going uh, after Chris, Budden. Chris Budden. Uh, Chris Budden. Yeah, Budden is how you say. It. Uh, but he said sideline reporters need to be more informed. Yeah. But he was saying the coaches don't like wearing the rain gear, but they brought the rain gear. I just I she kind of insinuated like they didn't have enough towels either. I don't know how many towels you take to a game, but you would think like a game in Florida, everybody knows that it rains. Well, and the weather report said that it, all week said that rain was expected. Oh, did it really? The, the day, yeah. It shocked me today when I saw it raining. I was like, oh, I didn't even know. Well, and I saw where uh, Onukino, he lives in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, and he he walked out in his front yard. He lives two miles from the stadium, and it wasn't raining at his house. Florida's so weird. It's such a weird it's place. It's such a weird place. Well, like, we'd go out to practices and stuff when I was at a bowl game. Yeah. You drive through a pouring rain, yeah. and then you get there, and it was sunny. when yeah. you get to the other side. Yeah. Anyway, but no. Hey, the dream's still alive anywhere but San Antonio. That's that's the big importance over tonight. Fiesta, Fiesta, Fiesta. I I just don't know if they can get to a New York New York Six. Why do you not think that, (laughs) dude? If they win the next two games, they're gonna get a New York Six ball. They're ten and two, even without playing in the Big Twelve. Yeah. You think hundred percent? Well, because because would you if I don't? But I don't think that Texas will get into the CFP. They'll take two Big Twelve teams. Will make uh, the Cotton and the Fiesta. In the Fiesta, you don't think that it would go to the uh, other team that played in the Big Twelve championship? No, if it's the, nine and three OSU, OSU, OSU? And loses, yeah, nine and four OSU is not getting in over a ten and two OU okay. to the Cotton Bowl. That because that's what it would be. Yeah, I think they'd end up in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and they would much rather have OU there. But does than it OSU. mess? Does it mess anything up if? Everybody goes undefeated. Like if if it ends up being, which by the way, Alabama might win the national championship. I know Georgia beat the shit Georgia out of Ole Miss today. Really good, but I think Bama's starting to play really well. The SEC championship should be incredible. Okay, well I'll, I'll take your word for it. But wait, what were you going to say though? If what undefeated? I'm pretty if, positive. If all four, oh, like if Florida, if it's Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State winner, Georgia, Georgia. Alabama winner, and I don't know who, who Oregon, would, Washington, Washington. I guess I don't know if they can beat Oregon in the in the Pac-12 championship again. But if all four of those teams went to the CFP, it wouldn't mess anything up. I don't think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure OU's going to get to New Year's Six if, if they, they go just win the next two. Okay, yeah. and it it also comes down to what the Bulls want fan base wise. And I would yeah. just think that the Cotton Bowl would want Oklahoma. Wait, who are the who are the playoff bowls this year? Rose, Rose and, and Sugar Bowl. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the SEC Big 12 sugar thing is not in existence this year. I think they're going to go... If if I had to guess right now, I would say they're going to play in the Cotton Bowl against, like, Tulane. Well, I don't know. I mean, Dennis Dodd said Alabama, Alamo Bowl. Dennis Dodd was living in, like, oh my God. October this week on Twitter. Yeah, it was just kind of like... Dude, do you have to realize there are a lot of games left to play? <laughs> well, and it's just like people have been talking about that for like the last month. 
Also, if USC keeps losing, they're not making the Alamo Bowl. No. Trust me, we've seen the defensive coordinator change. It gets a lot worse. It gets better, but then it gets worse. And tonight was not good. And it's going to be worse. I don't even know what Also, I would pick OU to beat the doors off of USC in a bowl game. Because, one, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to play. Right. And, two, that defense is terrible. Those shoes didn't look that good today either. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I do have one thing to tell uh, fans that are traveling to BYU. There is no alcohol or tobacco allowed on campus. There are it's no amazing. bars on campus. I knew that. Yeah, there's one bar you had like downtown in Provo. I don't know if, if it's a dump or not. I don't know. Um, but this year, uh, since they joined the Big Twelve and wanted to be kind of BLC a little bit, uh, they designated an off-campus tailgating area where you can go and get sloshed, and then a, uh, a, a transit bus will take you to the stadium. It's amazing. But it's just so know if you're strange. going to BYU. <laughs> Just it's going to be a dry weekend for you, probably. No, you could drink in Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, well yeah, and you can get boozed. Well, I don't know if you can get boozed up before the game at eight a.m. I'd applaud you if you do. At Bernie's or whatever the bar is. Where's that? Is that in Utah? I yeah, I mean, I'm just saying whatever the name of the one bar is. Oh, in, Provo. in Provo. Yeah, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people going out there just because it's. The only time you'll ever get the chance to do yeah, so. Yeah. Our favorite our favorite person's going, Eddie. I know. Can't wait to see Barb. Shout out Barb. Shout out Barb. My brother's going too. Oh, okay. He's flying down, nice. going to it. Uh okay. I th- you know, it is now past three AM. Um, is there anything that you guys want to throw out there that we haven't talked about? I don't think so. Really I've had a great night. weekend. Really good bounce back. It's great to see how happy uh, Dylan Gabriel was in the post game yeah. after that. It, it just great twenty four minute session he did on Monday, but still, you just felt like he needed. A I hug. also think I also want to say there was a lot of people knocking him for his comments this week about when, when I asked him like how's the team responded. They're like, and he said, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, see Saturday, on Saturday. Yeah. That's just Dylan's personality. Like he's just very subdued, and I don't think it was in a way that's like. I don't know. I don't care. It yeah. was like a, I don't know. We're going to find out about yeah. what this mm-hmm. team is made of. It was almost of. like a challenge. Yeah. And I, obviously they responded well. Yeah, they did. They And that was big for me. I know that we talked about it on the opponent preview. Uh, just wanting to see how they were going to respond after giving up the way that they lost the last two weeks. And then West Virginia going down and taking the opening kickoff. Like, yeah. I think everybody thought like, Oh shit! Did you see on the sideline after that? Uh, Stutzman and and Brent had a very spirited conversation. Well, after the after the game, Danny said that he had busted a, what the thirty three uh, yeah. yarder. He busted coverage in that, and well, I think, he hadn't. He didn't like the running back. Like they lost contain on the edge, and the running back just bounced it outside. And Danny got cut up in the trash trying to get over the top. of, yeah. of you know the the middle and. That's what he was yelling him at, and like I could see what like I could see Danny was like two fiery uh, personalities. Yeah, and Danny was arguing back like you know, well, if this happens, I'm supposed to do this, so why are you yelling at me for doing that? Like, but you know, I think that's what Bryn is. I mean, he's a guy that he you know, he's not doing it to be personal. Sure, he's gonna love him up after the game is over, after the play's over, after he played well, after he led the team. I mean, just look at how the linebackers are playing. We talked about the four linebackers; they're playing really well. You know who runs that practice? Yeah, when I mean, Brent's also so good at uh, 
in-game adjustments. Like, he's really good at that defensively. It was a really good night. Great night. A lot good of night. Fun. Great good weekend. Night uh, great to see the Chiefs trio back in the stadium. Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, I, uh, saw James Creed Winchester. At, uh, at the Jones Assembly Friday night. I was talking to him. Uh, I was talking to Creed tonight. Chatted for a minute. And it's just truly amazing to see like how <laughs> massive of a man he has turned into. He shook, he shook my hand at uh, Jones Assembly, and we, we chatted for just a second. And I was just like... Jesus Christ, his hand is just like... He's just massive. Engulfs He's a hand. massive human. He just came in a time, like, he was the baby of that that Joe Moore, you know, yeah. offensive line. Yeah. Like, he... We just didn't really get to... We'd seen, like, Orlando Brown and all those guys. We didn't really get to appreciate how good he was going to be. I'll always remember going to that first game of his senior year over at Shawnee, and he had played a lot of guard as a junior. He moved to center. He couldn't snap the ball. Like, the ball would not get off the ground. It's just funny that he's one of the best centers in the league now. Yeah. Blake uh, Bell, all-time sooner. That's all another time. just Man everything crush. about Bell-dozer. Blake Bell is Blake just Bell's, large. The bulldozers. I, I love James Winchester's been in the kid. league now for like 14 years. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll get it out a little bit early because it's a 10 a.m. kickoff locally, 11 o'clock our time. It's unbelievable. Uh, and uh, Sooners, uh, they move to 8-2. and two. The race to 10-2 and two is officially on. You, uh, you can have some hope again. So uh, I'm glad that they won it. I'm glad for you guys listening that you got to see a win and could get out of this lost drought. So congrats to you. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Eskridge Lexus Postgame Podcast. Don't forget, coming up this week, we'll have uh, all the YouTube shows. Monday, uh, we'll have Josh's recruiting roundup. Uh, Tuesday, we'll have the uh, practice report. Wednesday, the unofficial 40. Thursday, I think at, at some point, preview. we're probably going to break it in a little basketball stuff with Bob, too. Yes, we're trying to do that. 2-0. and yeah. They won by 40 on uh, Friday night. And, you know, I. it's still so early with those guys, but... They look really good so yeah. far. And it's time for people to get to kind of know what they're what they what they've got sure. to look forward to. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back again next week right here on the Eskridge Lexus Post Game Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.